Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. Welcome back to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and as always to my left is the man who's never missed an opportunity to do the Macarena or the Cupid Shuffle or the electric slide or anything that requires moving every ounce of his body in 10 different directions when music comes on. Word. Hip hop. Word. David Nori. That's right. <laughs> hey guys, how are you? Today, uh, we're glad you're here with us. So we're going to talk about, we're going to ask a question first. Why is everybody hungry? And why is everybody hungry? For KFC? No. No. Why are there, why are there souls <sighs> I know hungry? what you're asking. Are you asking me and you want me to answer that well, or are we just let's asking look at this the way. audience? I think people, we're, we're going to say it. People are hungry. And sometimes we break off bits of things and pieces of things. And I compare it to chocolate ice cream, right? Chocolate ice cream, not just chocolate ice cream, but chocolate ice cream with sprinkles. Mm -hmm. Like it looks good and it tastes good. But is it nourishing you? No. Is it is it really feeding Momentarily. you? Momentarily. And I mean, are you still hungry? Like you're... you're you're, you're not eating anything substantial. It's, right. it's just chocolate ice cream. And that's a lot of what we're getting. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about why people feel hungry and how we can help serve that. Well, I think, um, I mean, I want, I want everyone to look at this objectively. You know, we are in a time now where instantaneously you can get the answer to anything you're looking for. Oftentimes, a hundred answers to one question. Many times answers are triggers. Many times answers are exactly what you needed. Many times answers are inspirational. Many times the information is, is uh, substantial, like you said. But no matter what the answer to the whatever the question is, we're all still hungry. We're still in an endless search for something. We think it's we think it's the answer that we're asking the initial question to. We think we're looking for someone to show us a strategy. We think we're looking for someone to show us the way. We think that maybe this person, that guru, that coach has everything that I have ever wanted and they have all, all what it takes to do what it is that I want to do. Yet we still somehow walk away, even we buy into that stuff, hungry. Yeah. And that's what I, I know you're asking me. So, <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I had a conversation with a guy this morning who is in his forties like me, and we were just going back and we were talking about all the things we did in our twenties and thirties. And, and how did we ever make it out of our twenties and thirties? Cause we did some, some things that weren't great for our bodies. And I said, it's weird. You know, it wasn't until I started searching for something that it seems like it found me. And let me explain that. So I kept asking myself, where was God in my 20s and 30s? You know, why didn't he come find me? That's the question. Hmm. 
why did he let me go through all those things that I needed to go through? And that's the exact reason. Like he wasn't going to come knocking on my front door, banging my front door down. What did he want? He wanted me to come looking for him first. Yeah. I was going to say, so he was there the whole time. He was there the whole time, but I had to, and this is what the other guys agreed upon. He, he's like, he's living in this abundant life right now. And he found the woman of his dreams and he's, he's in this great career and they were getting ready to have a baby. And he's like, all of this stuff I almost didn't have because I was following the, long, the wrong path. I was essentially what we we're talking about earlier. I was eating the wrong food. We were eating ice cream with sprinkles <laughs> when we should have been eating something that nourished us. Does, does this make sense if we're talking about it in a food analogy here? Sometimes the things with sprinkles that makes us feel good or the sayings and the things that make us feel good, we unpack that and then we're like, okay, it's a quote. It's a, it's a saying. Did it move my needle? And, and when we just talked to another girl this morning, she was talking about this quote that she heard and she goes, that's me. I like it because that's me. And I said, okay, it's you but it's still words on a page. Is it, is it causing change? Is it causing action? Or do you just look at it every now and again and go, that's me. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what happens with Enneagrams. That's what happens with uh, people get into their star signs and stuff like that. Yeah. Ooh, that's me. That but explains me. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's great. But is it changing you? Is it growing you? Is it feeding you? You know, when we first met, Andrew, you told me, go, are you going to ever go to a, a feeder church with me? And what did I say? I don't even remember using that term. Did I really? Yeah. Yeah. I go, what's a feeder? You go, well, it's a place where you get fed. And so nowadays I think it's not just church. It's, it's books. It's seminars. It's, we need to get fed in a way, but with food that is substantial, that has real nourishment. You know, our, our good friend, Pastor Rogan, this past weekend was talking to me and listen to this. This is something that. When he said it, I said, come again, because I think, I think you just were onto something really important. Say that one more time, Pastor Rogan. And he said this, keeping your mind renewed is like combing your hair, mm. meaning you don't just do it once in a while. You don't do it once a week. You do it every day because it's very easy to get on a good path, but it's also very easy to swing back the other way. In other words, you're hanging out with good people. You're reading good books. You're, you're moving your business. You're moving your body because you are on a path of enlightenment, of nourishment. And then all it takes, what happens is a crack in a door to open. And then you're right back where you started sometimes. You know, it, it would be nice if we could just get fed, just like if you could go on a, on a diet or you can go on a, on a 60 day workout and then you're like, okay, I'm good. I'm good for the rest of the year. I'm good for the rest of my life. We've been in the fitness industry. And we know that doesn't happen. What happens, Ange? You have to keep up with it. You have to keep nourishing at a cellular level, at a soul level. So here's that correlation you get again between the body and the spirit. You need to nourish your body at a cellular level. You need to nourish your soul at a cellular spiritual level level that gives it something that's more than a quote, more than a philosophy, something that's rooted, a contract, 
something that is a covenant? Well, I think, um, I think of it, you know, even in my own journey with, with health over the last couple of years where it was very easy to be given a diagnosis and then I could easily become the diagnosis. Just like you said about our, our partner who had, um, said what I, I am that quote that quotes me. Well, no, that's not you. That's something that you're using to label your current consciousness, your, and what we call it sin consciousness, where we, we just allow ourselves to hang on to the lie or the deception or the stronghold, or even something like a diagnosis where it's like, that's not really me just because someone says, this is not me, but someone says, Hey, I'm a diabetic. Well, no, you're so-and-so and you have diabetes or you're managing diabetes or whatever it might be. We oftentimes allow ourselves to get so attached to something that someone said or did or quoted. And eventually we be, try to become that instead of just putting on the suit that God prepared for you all along. Now, going back to your chocolate ice cream with sprinkles. I mean, David, you're the one in the relationship that is known for endless, incessant chasing of fun. Like you like to let loose. You like to have the ice cream with sprinkles. You, you like to be a steamroller as you call it. So I know that you're not saying this to the audience for them to feel as if they're not supposed to do things that are fun or enjoyable. It just means that we oftentimes take a look at that, like we call the dark spot and we look for the answer and we allow ourselves down this search and we chase down the ice cream because it's like, man, I just want some more ice cream. Well, do you really want ice cream or is your body missing something that it's needed all along that somewhere deep, rooted in the back of your brain, your body knew that it got energy from ice cream before when really it needs something packed with B vitamins or, or who the heck knows. Right. So, but we don't have anything in the memory bank to call upon because we were programmed that it had to come in something that felt good in the moment. And it goes to say the same thing with our career choices or relationship choices. You know, we have to look at things differently in a turned on life and saying, you know, I have got to ask myself truly what is going to turn this thing on? What is going to turn this thing on? What is going to turn this relationship on? What is going to turn my body back on? What is going to turn my finances back on? And it's so relational. It really truly is. But we live in a world, and I just heard this today. It was, a, I guess it was a piece of a, a sermon. It was on Instagram and um, our good friend, and you've heard him here before, Will Armillo sent it to me. He's like, you got a seven-figure business, but you don't have a seven-figure marriage. You're not a seven-figure dad. And I was like, oh, yes, this is exactly what we're talking about here. We oftentimes chase after that carrot that's been dangling, and we take so much pride in a badge of honor and how good it looks and how great it feels and how the world eats it up, yet things suffer along the way. And it doesn't mean that there's no value in having that kind of knowledge and information to uh, be a seven-figure earner, but man, did your relationship suffer as a result? Like, what are we not cross-pollinating? What are we not doing to truly nourish that relationship, the relationship with our creator, that relationship with our spouse and our children? 
and then the marketplace, right? We have so much more to offer, but we oftentimes hang on, hang on the quote. That's our dog. Hang on the quote in the background that that is the thing that gives us hope and glimmer. And, and to me, I mean, this is to me, this is just my opinion. To me, it actually becomes a, a false form of idolatry. You know, anything that becomes your primary focus becomes your God. And that's where people often get tripped up and start themselves down another endless search. Amen. So what you're saying is we have to be grounded in something that's solid, something that's nourishing. Yes. Just the same way you would treat your body, the same way you got to treat your spirit. You can't treat your body with fluff. I mean, as much as we like chocolate ice cream with sprinkles, you can't eat it every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know that's not good for you. The same thing with the fluff. You can't eat it every other day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because you know it's not going to move the needle. Um, here's, here's another, this is a great food analogy too, because one of my favorite pastors, if you guys don't know who Dr. Tony Evans is, man, Dr. Tony Evans brings the fire every day. When I see him on, on Instagram and, I, and I re I've read a couple of his books, this guy's on point. And he says this, Ange. He goes, a lot of folks come to church looking for sugar. <laughs> a lot of folks come to church looking for sugar. They come looking for that sugar high. And we know that there's a lot of churches today that are more than happy to give it to them with the bright lights and, uh, you know, the big bands and, hey, feel good. It's a, it's a sugar high. But he says, that sugar high isn't going to be there when you're in a crisis. That sugar high isn't going to be there when your emotions are going crazy. Right. That's when you need sustenance. That's when you need doctrine. That's what's going to keep you grounded and moving in the right directions. So I was like, Tony, come on, yeah, yeah. keep it coming. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. You can get a sugar high at church or from some spirituality where it's like, Hey, I'm going to make you feel good. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to show you the bright lights. We're going to do this and that. And we're going to go through all these motions. But when the, you know, what hits the fan, when you're in a crisis, when your emotions are crazy, that's not when a sugar high is going to do anything for you. That's when you're going to need sound, sustenance, mm -hmm. doctrine, mm -hmm. facts. Mm -hmm. You're going to need a rock to stand on. You know, um, speaking of having something to stand on and, and what's going to provide you sustenance, the, the idea, especially in the quote-unquote self-development, personal development world, that just in, that to me is indicative of I can do this on my own. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have personal responsibility to steward. I mean, even in the divine order, there is a personal responsibility that we must steward, and that is in ourselves. And it really, really comes down to making sure that we are rooted in our, our belief and we are rooted in who we are and we allow ourselves to develop to a point where we can prepare ourselves for relationship, prepare ourselves for business acumen and, and really sharpen those gifts and skills. But to assume that we do it all on our own would assume that we are not called to family to, is to assume that we are not called to be fruitful and multiply. And when we hear be fruitful and multiply, some people might correlate that to get married, have a family, create kids generational, right? That's not all that it means. Ask yourself in your mind, the other ways to be fruitful and multiply. You can be fruitful in the, in how the vine maker produces the fruit that you bear and it starts to multiply because of the health of that fruit. 
in your relationship because of the health in that fruit in what you are building in your character and the health of the relationships around you. And the also, when we say multiply, it's multiplying finances, it's multiplying love, it's multiplying patience, and it's also going to multiply in your community or like we call it in our turned on blueprint, the core four. Now, the core four are the relationships around you. And there's some standard questions. We call them the qualifying questions that we ask ourselves and we, ha- we encourage others to ask themselves when they are surrounding themselves with people in their core four. Now, obviously, core is four is just a cool term, but it may be more, it might be less, but you're going to need a core group of people around you. And you need to know, do they practice what they preach? Do they have measurable results? Do they align with your core values? Meaning do they speak your language? And here's an example of that. Um, I'm not going to take spiritual advice from somebody that does not understand the doctrine that, that to me is the, the truth for our spiritual walk, which is my faith in Christianity. So I can't, I'm not going to get advice from somebody that is in tarot cards and crystals, right? So we have to know that they speak our language. It doesn't mean that we can't be different and be friends. It just means that that's not where I'm going to go to get my core, you know, spiritual enlightenment, if you will, um, or encouragement or challenging. And also, can you reciprocate the value in that relationship? But among those questions and those qualifying questions, also ask yourself, when we say, do they have measurable results? You know, we were also talking to a partner that attended an event and um, they had to exchange like their one liner for marketing. And the girl was like, well, I help moms uh, organize organize their life in the pockets of their day, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, how many kids do you have? She's like, I don't have any kids. And I'm like, what? What? Like, what? What are we doing? (laughs) What is going on in the marketplace that we're not asking this question? Well, people are teaching on hypotheticals. They're teaching just like just like a college of you know, we, we can open up a can of worms here because college teaches on hypotheticals. In other words, how about this? Kids now are going to college well through their 20s. You know, they're, they're, getting, they're getting their degree, maybe their bachelor's degree at 22, but then they're being told, hey, you know what? If you can't get a job or you think you don't know what you want to do still, go back to school for another two or three years right. and get a master's degree. So they're coming out at 27 and they're massively in debt from the student loans. They've just spent the last six or seven years in a, in a world that's not the real world. And then we're wondering why we're having this economic kind of situation where people aren't happy. They're not, you know, I, I found a statistic. I think it said that, that almost three quarters of people aren't working in the area of their degree of their specialty. So Mm. my, my big thing is we're going to college and we're talking about hypotheticals, how it's supposed to work. And guess what? It's not the real world. Well, let's let's. But wait, wait, hold on, Ange. What happens is, even this guy was speaking to yesterday or or today. We had a lot of things that we did that were bad and wrong. But guess what, man? The best experience is the one that you go through personally and learn from, not the one that you open up a book or you talk about what would happen or should happen in the context of these four walls in a in a hypothetical situation. We need real world stuff. Well, let's examine the thing right now about education, because I believe in education. Um, But I also believe in being really, really, really in tune with our gifting and the skills that come easier to us, right? Or that we can, we can develop around those gifts. And oftentimes um, when it comes to just conventional education, if you look at the school system, we're not, we're not doing that. It's like, 
oh, I'm going to kind of invert the order here. What's the highest paid in this industry? I have an interest in that. I'm going to go over there and study that and do this because that's what the world finds is not only acceptable, acceptable, but admirable. And like you said, sometimes they just, they end up not using the degree or they become unhappy or unfulfilled. And there's this hunger, like we started this out, there's this hunger deep down inside that then kind of gets buried with a little bit of hidden resentment because they never did something that set their soul on fire or that God had uniquely knitted inside of them in their mother's womb. And, and so when we're talking about being hungry, we have to ask ourselves, well, what are we really, really hungry for? Have we examined that? Or did we just go on a search for how to make more money or how to have, you know, meet, an, you know, my spouse or whatever. And we looked at the strategy first. This is one of my favorite things to teach on. We looked at the strategy first before we ever took the time to dis- develop our spirit, because that's the personal part of the divine order that we are called to steward before we get really strategic on where to take it. Okay. But you said this is your favorite part, right? So I'm going to get you right here because this is good. I'm going to go with you here. Um, you I'm said that's you your said, favorite I'm gonna part get you. is in a good way. Okay. <laughs> that's your favorite part is the strategy. So I've been doing a lot of thinking and a lot of reflecting. And I have a four-year degree. And I know a lot of people who do. Let me ask you a question. When are they teaching the strategy? When are they teaching the gifts? They're not. Or what are we doing when we're graduating people that have no idea what they want to do? Um, I'm a perfect example. So before you go judging, if you're listening, guess what? I was the kid who spent five years getting an undergraduate degree. And I looked over at the counselor and they're like, well, uh, here's this one. You already have enough credits. Take this. Like they don't care about gifts. They never search for your gifts. They give you a, they give you an outline. They give you what you could do. Nobody's nurturing young people these days. Nobody's taking them at a young age. Look, you might not believe in this, but I've seen a lot of young, bright entrepreneurs that were in their, in their late teens, early Mm twenties, right? We know some that have had awesome ideas. Yeah. And it wasn't because they went to some four-year university and were pushed through all these courses that don't teach them anything. We have to start changing the way we feed our young people. We have to start changing the way we feed ourselves and, and asking them at an early age and starting to put them not in a box with everybody else, but what do you like? What are you good at? What are your gifts? Right. And then nurture that. It's not easy because you know what? You can't, you can't just put a, a car, a cookie cutter thing on it and say, this is the way we do it. But some people, it don't, takes work. Some people don't know. And so let, let's, well, I didn't want this to be a podcast about education, but since we're on the topic, well, we're talking about being fed we're being hungry. and why people are hungry. Right. And that doesn't just happen someday when you turn up in your thirties and no. go, Hey, I'm hungry now. You've been hungry. Okay. And no one's ever fed you the right food. Okay. So we're getting excited. When you look at, look, there's people that I believe 100,000% were put on this earth to be medical heroes that should be in medical school, that should know the right way to do medicine when they stand and take that Hippocratic oath that will move the needle medically globally. That's their gift. 
I also believe that other people have a gift for making anything beautiful, whether it's engineering or architecture or gardening or whatever, that's their gift. I believe that they, there's people with their gift, that their gift is homemaking. My mother had a gift for homemaking. She loved to make a home and she loved to make her family. Now she couldn't afford to do that when she was a single mom full time. So she had to go a different route, right? But that was what she lived for in her spare time. And so we have to be able to stay within our gift. So we're not saying that education is worthless. It's the gift attached to the information. It's the gift attached to the skill that you sharpen, like the tool belt that's given to you. It's, but it's knowing the gift. And the hardest part is, is when when kids, literal kids, are coming out of high school at 18, we're telling them, okay, now it's off to college. Do like, what is it you want to do? And they're like, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm because they haven't had the experience or the life, or, you know, even someone ask them that question long enough for them to ponder it and actually work inside the gift. Right. So, it's, I just think that there's a different conversation, but again, it's but hunger. Like, it seems like we've been trying to delay it rather than fast forward it. In other right. words, when you start saying kids, Hey, you could be on your parents' insurance to your 26. And you know what, if you don't know what you want to do, then just keep going to school. We're delaying the real world. We should be fast forwarding it. We should be taking these young people at an early age in a nice way and saying, let's start getting you into some things so you could find out what you don't like early on. And that changes. This is a very fine line I'm going to write here because I know that changes. I know what maybe what I want to do in my 20s isn't maybe what I want to do now, but we could start to see our gifts earlier and develop them rather than say, let's just keep you in this cookie cutter system where you're not getting fed, you're not getting nurtured as an individual, but you're being treated on a mass scale. Um, and no one's really taken the time to find out who you are. We're just kind of grouping you and then we're pushing you through a system. And I think if we start nurturing our young people at an early age and allowing them to try things, teach them more about business in school, teach them more about what their gifts are and, and finding it out. I mean, this is talking about disrupting a, an entire system, but I just see so many people again, Ange, with a reason we're doing this, that are hungry. And, and it frustrates me because I don't want people to have to wait a long time. I want them to get the things early enough. And I think it'll contribute to a lot of the depression that we're seeing. I think it'll contribute to a lot of the, the things that people are taking drugs for is because we're not treating people as humans. We're treating them as numbers and we're pushing them through a system. And instead of saying, God created you for a purpose, and we're going to start finding out what that purpose is early on by investing in you. In other words, there's a verse that says, your eyes saw my substance. In your book, they all were written. The days were already fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. In other words, like you said earlier, we were knitted. Was that in Psalm 139? We were knitted in our mother's <laughs> womb. And we're not being nurtured and fed from an early age. That's why people are so thirsty and desperate and hungry to find out how they can be unique and contribute. That's why people want to be turned on. They want these areas because I don't have a lot of time. 
I've made all these mistakes and making mistakes is part of it, but let's make those mistakes early on and, and give young people more responsibility, more responsibility instead of less. It doesn't mean we're going to force them into the job market. It doesn't mean we're going to treat them like adults. It means that we're going to realize that we're babying people. And if we continue to baby them, we create people that suckle on the system to their 26, 27, 28. Okay. But again, when we're talking about disrupting things, it, that's what turned on is like we flip a switch. What happens when you flip a switch? The lights go on. What happens when the light goes on in a dark room? Things scatter, right? Things that aren't supposed to be there scatter. Things that are nocturnal scatter. Things that creepy crawl at night scatter. Things that have been pushed down scatter. So sometimes this is going to disrupt your thinking. Sometimes it's going to disrupt the pattern. Sometimes it's going to disrupt the norm. And, you know, we got off into a tangent here about education, but it really comes down to hunger, right? And so what I see that I feel needs to be disrupted a little bit is there? there is a huge, there's just this huge influx. It's like a, an... It's an, an exodus of people trying to f climb out of their current reality and climb, climb out of their current life. And they are going after the answer in some form because they don't know where to look. They're just like, oh, that, that looks flashy and shiny and beautiful. And that's what I think I want. And so that's what I'm going to buy into. And that's what I'm going to go do. And then I'm going to take the notes and put them in a notebook and bring them home. And do nothing or do something yet still have this hunger to escape their current reality, to then go to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing and the next answer and the next relationship and the next diet and the next trend. And holy crap, what happens when we don't actually flip the switch? We just continue to be scattering around in the dark, looking for places to hide when the lights go on because we never had someone ask us a hard question. And we never allowed ourselves to really dig deep and say, this is me, not the quote I'm latching on to, not the event that became my idol, not the person that becomes the, the, my God. And I hang on to their hem, like Jesus Christ. Like we have to think about this stuff. We have to really ask ourselves these questions. And I get really passionate about this because it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. I, I lay in bed at night thinking it hurts my heart that my children are growing up in a world where they care so much about how the world views them. My children are growing up in a world where it's the trends that drive them rather than the truth. And that's why parenting this generation is so important. And unfortunately, it's also time for us to parent our generation because we're the ones that fell asleep. And now we're the ones that we are instilling into our children that it's okay to be sedated. And it's not, it's not okay. And it's going to hurt things generationally. If we don't wake up, if we don't flip the switch, if we don't turn the lights on, it's time for some things to scatter. And that's why you're hungry. You're hungry because you're looking for everybody else's scraps that they left in the middle of the night during their party. You're hungry because you're eating somebody else's food and you're following their recipe. The recipe, the blueprint, the answer is inside of you and it exists within the covenant that you have with your creator. And that's it, period. That's where the downloads come from. They come from you and your relationship with God. That's where you'll get them. They're not going to come through other people. Other people, David and I, don't want to give you the answer. We just want to turn the light on for you. 
you'll find out what nourishes you when you decide what you're actually hungry for, except we're too busy asking everybody else, what are you going to have? What looks good to you? What did you eat for dinner here? What's your favorite? And then we end up being disappointed. Yeah. I mean, that was fire. I totally agree with you. I mean, because because we, we talked about sometimes it looks like chocolate ice cream and sprinkles. But if you relate this to the Israelites who were wandering outside the land of Canaan, they were eating manna every day. Yeah. It was the same thing. And it was boring. It was over and over because they were afraid to take the next step into the land of the milk and honey. Yeah. They were sitting there. They didn't have the leadership. They didn't have the chutzpah um, to say, we need to make a move. We're wearing the same clothes. We're eating the same food. We're wandering in the desert. We're lingering in a place where we should have been passing through because they're telling us we're grasshoppers and we can't do it. And we can, but we're not being nourished. And the nourishment comes when we start to turn on. The nourishment comes when we look at our relationships, when we look at our body, we look at our career and our faith, and we say, is this, is this based on something that is solid? Is this concrete? Is this rock? Or is this based on something that is paper? Easily broken. Nobody wants that. It's not always fun, right? We know the kids, they want to eat ice cream. I like ice cream. I want to go to church. Yeah, I'd like some sugar. I want to sing some songs, but I need some food. I need, I need some nourishment from my church. I need some doctrine. I need some sustenance. I need some truth. And that's what it's going to take. Well, look at it. I mean, just take that through the, the big four. Yeah, I want to look good, but I want to feel good. And I want to know my body's going to be here for the long haul. I want to know that my temple is worthy to be where the Holy Spirit resides. I want a happy, healthy, exciting, joyful, loving marriage and in, in, in my spouse. But am I willing to put in the work? Am I willing to have hard conversations? Or do I just want the fairy tale wedding day? And then it all falls apart when I realize that it had a lot more to do with it than what colors we were going to wear that day. Yeah, I want the cute kids and people here, you know, embroider their outfits and, and seersuckers and cute Olin Mill pictures that we had when we were growing up. Like, but, but what? Yeah. Instagram shows me the family goal photos and everything's beautifully filtered and posed so perfectly and happy and shiny. But am I willing to get up in the middle of the night when my daughter has a croupy cough and a fever? Am I willing to be real about what it takes to stay turned on in those moments? Am I up for that relationship? Am I up for the relationship in business when the cycle is actually down? when things aren't as easy as they were two seasons ago? Am I willing to show up every single day? Am I willing to be okay with having to course correct? Am I willing to do this without compromising my morals and my integrity? Am I willing to go against the grain? Am I willing to disrupt things? Am I willing to stop playing small and step out into the place that God has called me to put on the suit that he designed for me? 
and stop wearing the same uniform that I've been doing to blend in? These are the questions to keep us from just getting by. These are the questions that satiate the hunger. These are the, the, the switches that we can flip in our favor. But oftentimes, like I said, we get really wrapped up in the chase. And it's really, truly the, a byproduct of the culture and the times we live in. And I think that hunger was there generations ago, but it just came in different forms. But now I believe it's worse than ever because it's so fast and furious in front of our faces. So fast and furious. And it's just disrupted things in terms of the divine order. So it's time to flip them back in the right order. And hopefully we won't feel as hungry anymore. <laughs> At least not as starving. We want to be satisfied, but we always want to have, we always want to have a hunger and a thirst to, to, to be better and to, to use our gifts and to create and um, steward what, what we've been given because it's great responsibility. So you could tell we're a little bit passionate about that subject. And it's a lot about, you know, what we discovered, um, at our turned on live event and the hunger that we see and feel in people. And one of those things about that turned on live event is we're going to be having more and we're going to be having them in different cities. Um, and we're going to build it on the backs of relationships and this podcast and through personal invitation. So we'll t share with you a little bit more about how we're going to go about doing that, but you're not going to see it in the traditional means of sponsored ads or <laughs> email lists. We're going to do this through creating a real relationship with you because we are truly hardwired for connection. We hope this turned you on today and we look forward to turning you on in the next episode. Thank you for listening. We love you.